0: that 2 corinthians chapter 5 let's turn there together please i'll try not to keep you too long but i want to share with you the beauty of this message and can i say from the very beginning here we what we celebrate this morning is the central doctrine of christianity without the resurrection you have no christianity if jesus did not rise from the grave then we are all wasting our time today Now you might be feeling like you're wasting your time and that's entirely up to you. But I know I'm not wasting my time because Jesus is alive. And Paul wrote very plainly and very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, look, this is not a matter that can be compromised on. This is not a matter that you can say, well, maybe he rose, maybe he didn't. No, he did. He rose bodily from the grave. And to deny that leaves us with no hope leaves us with no faith and leaves us with no premise upon which everything else resides. To reject the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave is to reject the message of salvation, the message of Christianity. This doctrine, this truth provides the very framework upon which all else is built and hangs. Jesus rose from the grave. And can I tell you this morning, the reason it is so special to many of us today is because it is the source of our hope. And to live without hope, let's be honest, is a very dark way to live. Can I ask you a little question this morning? Would you look this way? How many of you have ever felt like there was no hope? Have you ever felt that way before? I've been there before. It's a dark place to be, isn't it? Speaking with a young man recently, who has no hope, no reason to live, no purpose, and it's a dark place to be. So how does the message of an empty tomb provide such hope? Why is it that Christians all over the world today can be filled with hope all because a man supposedly, as we believe, rose from the grave? Without a risen Lord, can I just say, without a risen Lord, Jesus was nothing more than a good teacher and a martyr. If he didn't rise from the dead, then all he was was a good teacher and ultimately a martyr and a dead good teacher. And that's what everybody thought. And although his teachings and his miracles were inspiring, he was dead. And so was their hope. One day into it, two days into it, all of his followers were in mourning, in deep despair. All hope was lost. Every ounce of inspiration gone. All little spark of deliverance had been blown out when their master died. All hope of a changed world died. you know why many people are depressed today? There are more people, they tell me, I was speaking to a medical professional just a couple of days ago, one third of prescription medicine today. Do you know what it's written for? One third, at least in the UK, one third of prescriptions are being written for mental health antidepressants. One third. Why do so many people live in depression and darkness today? Because they look around at a dark world and they see no hope no hope at all. And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, who had followed him around on this earthly journey for at least three years, a year and a half, three years, had lost all hope. And the disciples had been reduced to a crowd of fearful, hopeless failures, ashamed of their condition, ashamed of how they let their Lord down, ashamed that now their Lord was dead and And there was no longer any hope of forgiveness because they betrayed their Lord. They forsook him and fled. There's no no hope of restoring that because he was dead. And so they were guilty and they were miserable and they were hopeless. And without the resurrection, outside of Christ, there is no change and no hope of change. But can I tell you today, Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, there is hope of change. You might be here today feeling like, I've been living in darkness and despair for years and and I can't find a way out. You haven't yet looked to Jesus because he offers this hope that you don't have right now. This text that I feel drawn to today is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a well-known portion of scripture. And let's begin together in verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, listen to this. If any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new now this verse is the testimony to every truly born again child of god old things have passed away and all things Are become new. Because Jesus is alive. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. The beauty of the resurrection is that Christ will never die again. And when Jesus stood before the hopeless crowd, three days later, when Jesus rose from the grave and he appeared under that crowd, that crowd of disciples that were hiding away, ashamed and in despair, when he walked into the door, walked into the room, can you imagine their eyes? Can you imagine their hearts? Life revived. Hope was restored. And with confidence they could say, the Lord is risen indeed. And therefore, they could say everything else that he said was true. And what happens, amazingly, what happens is those disciples who were living in darkness and in despair, hiding away from the Roman authorities and the Jewish Sadducees and Pharisees, all of a sudden, when the risen Lord walked into the room, they were given the greatest boldness that they'd ever had before. And that darkness and despair fled, and they went out with such confidence and assurance that their Lord was alive, that they could face every army on the planet you' know what you and I need today we do not need more cleverly posed arguments, but what we need today, not new books and new theological persuasions, not new books on theological persuasions, what we need today is a fresh vision. Of a resurrected Lord. And so many people today. Are are, their nose in books. And nose in theology. And study, study, study. And it's all a dead thing to them. Lifeless. Now I love to read. I love to read theology. But I'm telling you. Nothing quickens the soul. Like a view of a risen Lord. And you can't find that necessarily in a book unless it be this book. I wonder this morning, do you see him? Do you see him? Some people only ever see Jesus as a man who died on the cross. Sometimes they... they wear a necklace around their neck that has Jesus on the cross and a photograph in their home with Jesus on the cross. and They're constantly thinking of Jesus on the cross. And by the way, he accomplished much on that cross, to which we will begin looking at Sunday by Sunday in the evenings. He accomplished so much on the cross. It wasn't a defeat. It was a victory. But I remind you, he isn't dead. He's alive. And you have to keep your eyes on a risen victorious Savior. Otherwise, in this dark world, when it seems as if we are being pushed into a corner, when it seems as if we're being oppressed and stepped upon, you might lose heart. But if you have one glimpse of a risen savior, you might like Peter and John be able to say, bring it on because our savior is alive. And if he be for us, who can be against us? Now, let's look at a couple of things in this text here just quickly. Look at what the verse says. If any man be in Christ. Now, how does a risen Savior affect me? How does it help me? I'll tell you how it helps me. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, he proved that sin could not hold him like it holds us. Now, he wasn't dying for his sin. He was dying for mine and for yours. And by the way, if I died for my sin, I would be eternally dead. Eternally dying. But because Jesus had no sin, and because Jesus was a deity, God incarnate, he conquered that sin, defeated that sin, and the consequence of that sin, which was death. And so in our text, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Today, maybe you're thinking, I need to be new. I need a new life. I need something to change. That cannot happen outside of Christ. But in Christ is new life. Perhaps the reason you feel so discouraged and depressed is because you've been trying everything the world offers you to have new life, to turn over a new leaf, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, to just try a little harder, and it doesn't work. The only way to find new life is in Christ. If any man be in Christ, it's a big if. Do you want new life? I do. It's only in Christ. Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Can I ask you this morning, would you look this way? Are you in Christ? Or are you still outside looking from a distance? The only way for your sins to be paid for is if you are in Christ. Because what Jesus did on that cross was he took my sin and the wrath of God was poured out upon him and I was in him when he died for my sins, but he was punished for those sins. It's the beautiful, you could say that figurehead thing you say about Adam. We're all sinners as in Adam all die because we were in Adam, in his loins as it were. And so in Christ shall all be made alive. Just like we were condemned because of Adam's sin, we are given new life because of Jesus' accomplished work on the cross christ is the head of the body he was my representative on the cross before the judgment of almighty god and he took my sin but i must be in him how does that happen romans chapter 6 is a beautiful portion uh, paul writes what shall we say then shall we continue in sin would you look here for a moment do you know you are either in sin or in christ no, 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 no. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. You're either in sin or you're in Christ. And you can either be taken out of sin and placed in Christ or you continue in sin. How does that happen? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. This is speaking about those who would like to use the grace of God as a reason and an excuse to sin. Shame on you if that's you. Shame on you if you say, well, you know, God's loving and God's forgiving so I can do whatever I want to do. Wrong. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Because something happened and Paul explains it. Know ye not, don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Something took place when you were saved, if you were converted, if you've been born again. The moment of your conversion, you were plunged, baptized into Christ, taken out of sin placed in the safety into the savior that's what took place when you repented of your sin and by faith looked unto the one who died for your sins and by the grace of god your eyes were opened so that you could realize this is why jesus died so that i wouldn't have to pay for all of my sins one man said to me who was struggling with depression in the last couple of weeks he said i feel so guilty that i can't even look at people so ashamed of the way that I've lived. I, I, can't, I dare not go into public lest they know. That's what he said. But you know, when, when, when you're taken and placed in Christ, then all of the shame and guilt of that sin was already borne by our Savior. He died for my sin and he died for the shame of my sin and the guilt of my sin. That's what he did. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Now, can I say to you just very, very carefully here that there's no new life except there first be death. Can I tell you why so many people today will not be born again? Because they are not willing for the old man to die. And perhaps you're here today and you think, I know I need to change. I know my life should be different, but I'm just not quite ready to give up my old life. My life. Maybe today you know that that day is coming when the Lord Jesus shall return because why should he not come back if he rose from the grave like he said and he told us he's coming again to judge the world, then he's coming. And you know that he's coming and you know that one day you'll stand before him and answer for everything you've ever done wrong before him and you know something should change and you know you need to be made new but you're not ready to leave behind your life. There's no new life without first a dying of the old life. And I wonder this morning, are you ready? Are you ready for the old man to die? Are you ready to be crucified with Christ? That's what Paul said. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. You cannot have both. You might have figured out by now that I haven't exactly come from this part of the neighborhood. And I am originally from the States. And, you know, if I would have come over here from America with a big bag full of American dollars, I didn't have it, but if I did, and I were to walk up into Tesco and say, I want to buy one of everything you got. I've got plenty of money here, a lot to offer. Millions of dollars. They would say to me, that's very nice, sir, but we do not take that here. That must be changed. It must be converted. And there are many people today who want to hold on to their old life and have new life. Can you imagine if I rocked up into the exchange center and said, here's a million dollars. I'd like to uh, have that exchange for pounds. And after counting out the equivalent, whatever it is, in in the proper currency rate, after they uh, passed it across the counter, the pounds. Can you imagine me saying, I'd like to keep both? They'd say, get out of here, you joker. You can't keep both. The nature of conversion is that you exchange the old for something new. You cannot have new life if you're not willing for the old life to be dead. And Some of you have got to be brought to the point when you're able to look in the mirror and say, this must die. This sin in old nature must die. And that can only happen in Christ. In Christ. Some people try. They recognize that the old man has to die. And so they crawl on their knees and do penance. Or maybe they afflict their body in some physical way to do penance. And they think that that'll earn them favor with God. No, 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 no. You cannot do it. Christ has done it. That's what what this is all about. This is what the the, the crucifixion and the resurrection is all about. You couldn't do it, so Jesus did it. You must rest in him. I wonder today, are you resting, trusting in his death for you? Romans continues, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And this is the beauty of salvation. This is the beauty of Christianity. Would you look here for a moment? Old things are passed away, but all things have become new. I'm a new man. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I should be. I'll be the first to tell you that. But praise the Lord, I'm not what I used to be. And this is the nature of the new birth. That God in his mercy and grace has brought me from out of my sin, put me into Christ. And I'm a new man. My desires have changed. My vision has changed. My longings have changed. And I'm new. I'm new. And I wonder today if you have ever been made new. There are many people who think that they're Christian because they believe a certain number of facts. There are many people who would say, I'm a Christian because I agree intellectually. I consent unto these truths. I believe that there's one true living God. And I believe that Jesus is the son, uh, the son of the living God. I believe he's the Christ. I believe that he was crucified. He was buried and rose again on the third day. I'm a Christian. No, no, no. You are not until you are born again, until new life is in you. Until the old man is crucified and the old man is 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 dead in Christ and new life is breathed in. And you'll know it. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm new or not. Really? If I were to tell you today that on my way here I got hit by a lorry, ran over top of me. It hurt all 18 wheels, if you've got those here, I'm not sure, but every wheel of the lorry got me. And I would have looked like this. You'd say to me, you're lying. How could you be hit by such a huge thing and still look the way you look and it have no effect upon you? And how can someone as big as God move into your life and you not know it And it not have an effect on you. That's what you need. That's what Jesus said in John 3. Perhaps some of the most famous portions of the scripture. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You need new life. The new birth. I've been reading of George Whitfield, roaming across the United Kingdom and the United States of America in the 18th century, preaching the gospel, preaching the new birth. Many souls being awakened, recognizing they've been following the dead formality of religion. And there'd never been a new birth. The prophet Ezekiel spoke of this very thing in Ezekiel 11 and verse number 19. I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Again, in chapter 18 of Ezekiel, verse number 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. Repent and live. Chapter 36 of Ezekiel and verse 26. One more, one more. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Without a risen Savior, there is no hope or proof that this is even a reality. It's all just a bunch of fairy tale nonsense. But if Jesus is alive, then this is the most true thing you've ever heard. It's interesting when the ladies came back from the tomb on that first resurrection morning, the disciples, the Bible says, they thought that they were idle tales. The majority of po- the population today think that. The resurrection account is nothing more than an idle tale until you meet the Savior. I thought the same thing. I thought Christians were nice, but they were ignorant. I thought they were nice people, clean living people, kind people, but they were just down at the bottom of the garden with the fairies until I met the Savior. The Apostle Paul, once called Saul, not only thought that Christians were ignorant and believing a lie, he thought they were so damaging to society, he wanted to wipe them from the face of the planet. Until he met the risen Savior. And then he became the author of half of the New Testament. And can I tell you that the one encounter with the risen Savior changes everything. I've never met him before. He was dead 2,000 years. I've never met him before. Have you ever sought him out? It's interesting. I thought I I was seeking him. When I was saved, I found out he was seeking me. I found out he was organizing all of these things to make it possible for me to hear this truth. And then he made it possible for my eyes to be opened and he made it possible for the word to speak directly to my heart. And I finally realized I wasn't looking for him. He was seeking me. And maybe this morning, perhaps God might begin to show you that none of this is an accident, that God has orchestrated all the events of today to bring you to this tent, to this humble tent, Rough looking field with a bunch of hillbillies, so that you might hear that Jesus is alive. My whole life has changed, and I could call on a number, dozens of people here today. I won't do it, but I could call on them to stand up and they could tell you, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I could call on a number of folks here looking at a man who received a gospel leaflet. He was the epitome of a chav, you could say. Received a gospel leaflet in Aylesbury Town Center, took it home, crinkled it up, put it in his pocket, took it out a few days later. So that's interesting. Put it away, never thought nothing of it, couldn't get away from it. Mind kept going back to it, kept going back, open it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Finally began to realize this is true. I see a man right now who a year and a half ago was a drunkard living homeless on the streets of Oxford. Whole life ripped apart. Then he met the risen Savior. All around. A doctor, a physician. You think that Christianity is for uneducated, ignorant people like you Americans. No, 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 no. No, it's for people who know, who know that their life needs to change. Now, you can go on pretending. The Bible says if you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself. You're lying. You can go on pretending like you're fine when you're not. But when you come face to face with reality, something needs to change. And then you meet the risen, glorious Savior. Everything changes. How about a 59-year-old Irish gypsy? Steeped in tradition of religion gloriously saved at 59 years old now the deacon one of the deacons of this church what about a little orphan boy who grew up in an orphanage in romania no hope of anything good two pairs of clothes his entire childhood ran away from the orphanage on a couple of occasions just to get out of it the abuse and things that took place would blow your mind here he is today. God brought him all the way to the United Kingdom to work as a waiter at a restaurant in London to meet a preacher, tell him the gospel, and now he's gloriously saved. Not an accident. Not an accident. Or a woman who was raised in a strict form of Islam in Iran, who rejected all forms of Christianity. Until one day her friend convinced her to take the Bible and just read it. And she went away for three months with nothing but the Bible. And after three months, she realized Jesus is alive. And she began to tell the whole country of Iran that Jesus is alive. And the government said, we've got to kill that woman before, before the whole country is in an uproar. And they followed her all over the country until she, by the grace of God, escaped their clutches and came here. Look, one by one, there's stories of people all through this congregation whose lives have dramatically changed. And you just might be the next one. You just might be the next one. There's hope. And that hope is found in a living Savior. Will you look to him today? Pride has taken many people down the pathway of destruction. Don't let that be the case with you. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we come before thee today and recognize that we need thee. I pray for each soul here this morning to recognize that the change that is so desperately needed in their life is possible through our risen Lord. May hope be offered today. May it not seem such a far-off distant thing, but may they recognize that he is near. And may they even today reach out with One little cry of help and cry for mercy. And I pray that that prayer would be answered. Move in our midst, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.